My name is Alan Reese. Six weeks ago, my world was upended after the restaurant I poured my life savings into finally went under. After paying my employees and closing the doors for the last time, I was unsure of what to do. I could no longer afford my house. I was forced to give it and my car to the bank to cover my debts. I was homeless. Lost. I had no family to speak of, and while my friends were sympathetic to my cause and a few of them offered to take me in, I couldn't accept. I just needed to disappear until I could reconcile things with myself. Sitting on a park bench with all of my worldly possessions fitting inside a backpack, I made the decision to start walking. I had no destination in mind, no plan, just pick a direction, and start moving my feet. I would find a place to sleep when I got tired, and use what little cash I had left to buy food. I was aware of the risks and the insanity of it all, but I didn't care. Life could do nothing worse to me than what it had already done. I decided on West to walk off into the sunset. The first couple of days were the hardest, as the reality of my situation set in. The second night I laid in a field and cried for what I was sure was hours until I finally fell asleep. Then I woke up at dawn, brushed myself off, and continued walking. I stopped at a convenience store once my meager supplies ran out and bought a bottle of water and a cheap hot dog. I can only imagine how I looked and smelled as public restrooms offered little in the way of personal hygiene. The clerk was nice enough to not make it obvious. I stopped at the first shelter nine days after I left, where I was offered a shower and a meal. I took them up on it and rested there for a full day, my aching back not wanting to leave the mattress and go back to the hard ground. My clothes were cleaned and I was given a few supplies. I went on my way, refreshed, but still downhearted. The midsummer heat wave was killing me, and by the time the sun went down, I was completely exhausted. I was somewhere on Highway 92 in Nebraska when dusk settled. The clouds over the horizon shifted from white to orange to red as the light dimmed, and with it, the heat. The road was old and cracked, patch lines weaving a web, the asphalt a sun-bleached pale gray. Scenery was lacking, to say the least. The mostly flat brown-green grasslands separated here and there by barbed wire fences and scattered lonely tree patches in the distance had been the norm all day. I was scouting the area for a place to rest for the night and spotted a small lean-to built to provide some shade to cattle that, for one reason or another, was no longer present in the immense field. I lowered my backpack to the ground on the other side of the fence and pulled two of the wires apart, leaning over and carefully stepping through. As I walked towards the lean-to, lightning split the sky overhead, thunder reverberating in my chest. I picked up my pace. The only thing worse than sleeping on the ground is sleeping on the ground while everything is soaking wet. 
my heart sank as I got close enough to examine it. It was small. There was no way to lay without a part of me sticking out. My only option would be to sleep with my back against the wall, which wasn't exactly preferred, but I had done it before. The reason it became a non-starter was a recess that had been formed by hooves wearing away the ground. Water would collect and fill it, effectively turning my shelter into a large puddle. I sighed and squinted across the horizon. The wind picked up, blowing in gusts. Another lightning flash. That brief instance of light was enough to see a metal rooftop across the field beyond a small group of trees. I took off towards it quickly, jogging as fast as I trusted my footing in the dark. The stars were covered by the clouds, reducing visibility drastically. The countryside is lit extremely well on clear nights, but with no other sources of light, it turns to a blanket of darkness once the moon and stars are snuffed out. The sound of torrential downpour carried through the wind, a warning of what was coming. I made it to the trees and could see the barn looming in silhouette against the sky. Water droplets collided with the wood and metal as I went around the side. There was no door. I hurried past and down the other side. A wooden ladder led to an open window just below the roof, but no door there either. I tested the ladder going up a few rungs before ascending to the window. All I could think was, what kind of barn has no doors? I pulled myself inside the window just as the sky opened up. A low, constant rumble of thunder joined the score made by rain hammering the roof, howling wind, and creaking wood. I half-crawled a few feet into the darkness before the ceiling beams gave me enough room to stand. I was only slightly damp, which I owed to the wind blowing the rain away from me during my climb. I could just make out my immediate surroundings. I was in a loft that extended about three meters from the back wall and stretched the length of that wall. Wooden boxes were stacked near the corner by the window. A metal folding chair rested on the far wall. I peered over the edge to see below, but it was obscured in shadow. I could make out enough to know there wasn't any large machinery or crates, but beyond that it was murky. I sat down on the dusty boards and slid my things aside. I let out a sigh before removing my shoes. My socks were still dry, and I draped them over the shoe openings. It was something I'd picked up somewhere to keep things from trying to take up residence in your shoes. And being in an old barn in the middle of nowhere, I didn't want to risk sticking my foot into a waiting mass of legs and fangs. Lightning flashed and a loud crack roared from outside as I retrieved a package of snack crackers and a small water bottle from my backpack. I stared out the window at the curtain of water as I ate, making a mental note to try and get a funnel and hose of some kind to hang outside and collect rainwater and empty bottles. I finished my meager provisions and removed the sleeping bag they gave me at the shelter. It was still hot, so I opted to fold it in half in a pallet and use the backpack as a pillow. I faced the window, feet toward the back wall. 
partly because I didn't want to put my head so close to the corner where the spiders were most likely to live, but mostly because I was afraid that if I laid with my head or feet facing the window, I would roll over in my sleep and go off the edge. It didn't take long after settling in for my body to feel stone heavy and my eyes to close as I drifted off. Morning came more quickly than I cared for, harsh sunlight pouring in through the window and the gaps in the walls. I rose unceremoniously and shook out my socks and shoes before putting them back on. I shook out the sleeping bag for good measure before rolling it up and packing it away. I drained the last of the water and decided it was time to get a move on. I had to cross a large field to get back to the road, and it would be a miracle if I made it without being completely covered in mud. As I slung the pack onto my shoulders, I looked over the edge, finally able to see clearly. What immediately caught my eye was the center of the dirt floor. A yellow metal hatch protruded from the ground. It resembled a submarine hatch or bunker entrance. A large circular handle set on top, with hinges the size of hubcaps on one side. A faint rumbling from outside approached and drew closer as I puzzled over the thing. A motor kicked on and I instinctually jumped back from the sound. The lower half of the wall opposite me started swinging outward. I saw the pulley system and immediately realized that I was wrong thinking the barn had no doors. I stayed in position as the door opened, unsure if I could make my escape down the ladder without being seen. The rumbling from outside was louder, and a truck backed up inside the barn. I laid flat on the boards, kicking my backpack to the corner to give myself as low a profile as I could. In the bed of the truck was a large plastic container, cylindrical, strapped in place. The truck backed up to the hatch, and I slid backwards across the boards, hoping to be out of sight. The truck shut off, and a door opened. Feet hit the ground, and the door shut. Then, static. A continuous drone of static filled the barn. Metal turning squeaking, a loud thud, metal scraping. I slowly inched towards the ledge, trying to stay hidden. A middle-aged man in jeans and a blue plaid shirt was seating a narrow chute against the end of the plastic container where a draining apparatus was. He had opened the hatch, and the other end of the chute led directly into it, but from the angle I was at, I couldn't see what was inside. Clipped to his belt was a portable radio, the source of the static. Securing the chute, he walked to the tools hung on the wall. He picked a mallet up, weighed it in his hands, and appeared satisfied. He then walked to the end of the wall to a small bench, and when he turned around, he was holding an old railroad spike. He placed the spike on the draining apparatus, tapped it gently several times with the mallet until it stuck in place. He looked back at the opened hatch, then back to the spike, and swung a heavy hit. It pierced through the weakened wall, 
and a reddish-black liquid began pouring out. He placed the mallet on the side of the truck as the fluid ran down the chute and began draining into the hatch. He rose his hands, put them together, and bowed his head slightly, closing his eyes as if in prayer. For several long minutes I watched as the liquid drained from the container. It seemed textured with gristle, but I was too far away to know for sure. The last of it trickled out, dripped into the hole before stopping completely. The man was still standing in the same position, radio shouting static. Another minute passed. He seemed to be getting nervous, swaying in one spot. His lips were moving inaudibly. Panic spread through me. I was afraid, but I wasn't sure why. His silent speech became more frantic as the seconds ticked by. I had just made up my mind to grab my bag and leave, hoping to go as fast as possible so he wouldn't see me when the earth shook. The barn rattled as tools clanged and wood groaned. It subsided and stopped, and as it did, the static from the radio stopped. The man seemed to be bracing himself for something, eyes now tightly shut and teeth planted firmly together. From the radio, Three distinct chimes rang out. On the third chime, the man turned his hands, still pressed together, and kissed the back of each one. He opened his eyes and relief washed over his face. He turned off the radio. He was shaking as he removed the chute and slid it next to the container, closing the tailgate. With considerable effort, he lifted the hatch and it slammed back into place. He turned the wheel until it was locked and pressed his forehead against it for a brief moment. He righted himself and got back into the truck. The engine started and he pulled away, the wall lowering behind him. I sat in silence, afraid to move until he drove far enough away that I could no longer hear him. As quietly as I could, I put on my backpack and put one foot out the window, then descended. It wasn't until I was a half-day's walk away that I allowed myself to think about what I had witnessed. Even in the heat, I felt cold as I thought about how I spent the night in that place without knowing what was in there. What was down in those depths? How far down? I hugged myself as I pondered those questions till nightfall. I decided I would sleep in a muddy field rather than seek shelter. Stepping off the road, I walked towards a lone tree in the distance. The branches were comforting to me, something that wasn't flat ground. The moon was high and bright as I approached, millions of stars on display. The tree was short as round as my chest. I placed my hand on the bark and walked around it, looking for a good level spot to sleep. 
As I took another step, something crinkled underfoot. I bent over to see what it was. As I picked it up, panic spread through me again. The light around me dimmed as I stared down at my hand. A flash of lightning and deep, roaring thunder. Clutched in a shaking grip was an empty wrapper for snack crackers. Mm -hmm.